<laughs> Sounded like an off-brand transformer there. <laughs> <laughs> What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Integrated Podcast. My name is Alex Kratz, and today I'm joined once again by our dear friend, Malcolm Cottle. Welcome back to the podcast. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. Um, I totally forgot, too, that you are now posting these on YouTube, so I apologize that my background is just absolute shite, especially <laughs> compared to yours, which looks phenomenal these days. Uh, oh, I'm you. currently thank in you. the process of moving from one room to another for my like production room, so mm. literally everything from two rooms is in one room right now. Uh, we just finished refinishing floors and painting the walls and doing all and like replacing oh, outlets right. and covers and all that kind of fun stuff, so yeah. this room is an absolute mess, right? now but it's like just barely functional enough for me to do yeah. stuff so the, i do uh, apologize that uh, my background is not great yeah that's, and i'm supposed to be a videographer so that's really We're, embarrassing pe people are supposed to listen to it anyway <laughs> listen, you're, it's mostly about the audio but you know you're up in your game and i feel like i'm not and i'm just like oh, i'm not working as hard you know as what Chuck. it's what good i'm a, i'm ahead in the video game <laughs> for a brief moment right now. And that's, you know, I got to feel go. good about myself here. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So anyway, let's dive in. Oh my God, puppy. See, this is where you make up for your background is by that. There we go. I, I got, puppy. I got, yeah, puppy fodder. So <laughs> I don't know. Awesome. Yeah. She's been very patient, just like chilling out in the room with me while I, you know, do a lot of different projects and catch up on some work. So she's, uh, she's had it. She's like, yeah. okay, no, attention now. Now I need some attention. <laughs> I yeah. will sit in your lap. I'll be quiet, but I need attention. <laughs> I mean, that's great. I'm okay with it. I'm totally okay with it. Um, uh, so today, I wanted to talk about recording yourself as a producer, as an engineer, as a player, whatever it is that you're doing. You know, you and I do this a lot. We do a lot of projects together, but also on our own where we are the talent as well as the engineer and or the producer and or the mixer and all of the above or, you know, different combinations of that. Um, and I've always, you know... I, I think that th this happens a lot more nowadays. There's a lot of people learning to do this and they kind of, they fall into traps of not knowing whether what they're doing is any good. They fall into mm. not knowing whether they're, you know, recording themselves the most efficient way possible. Cause I've talked to lots of people who are trying to, and I, I see their setup or how they're doing it. And it's like, really, you do it <laughs> that way. Like, <laughs> there's a better way to do this. <laughs> like you do like, you know, um, but then also way. there always, always, there's always a better way. Um, but, but you know, it does, it goes beyond physically doing it and how to actually be able to record yourself, uh, to actually knowing, is this any good? How am I going to do this? My workflow to make sure that I can separate myself from my work enough to understand what I'm doing, how to have those checks and balances in place to mm -hmm. know. Um, and, you know, I mean, we've talked a lot about, uh, you know, mixed feedback and stuff. I help, you know, you send me stuff and I go, well, yeah, this is what you should do or this is my thoughts. And, and mm -hmm. that's a nice, uh, that's an example of, you know, one of those kind of checks and balances in there. That's, that's your way of going, this is how I need to, check what I'm doing by somebody I trust, uh, telling me what they think. So then I know if I did it right or not, you know, within my own, my own workflow. So that's yeah. just an, an, an example. And we'll talk more about that in a minute, but, um, I want to start with how you record yourself, 
physically. Let's start with the physical aspect because that's the first, the biggest hurdle uh, to get started. And yeah. for you, especially, you are a drummer. Uh, and a lot of drummers, this is the biggest challenge. How do I record myself? Because an, an electric guitar player, you can sit with an electric guitar and play, and the computer's right in front of you, and the amp can be somewhere else, or you're using a plug-in or an Axe Effects or whatever it is. But drums, especially real drums, you need drums in a yeah. drum room of some description. How do you do the actual recording, and what methods yeah. do you use? So so start with with your kind of your go-to ways of doing this sure um for me doing the work physically to record it's uh for me it's all about kind of limiting the variables as much as i can so Mm. um an example of that is that you know when i record my own music or do anything for guitar for example i'm all di's i'm just di's and amp sims on the other end because that's one less thing i have to kind of coordinate by myself as opposed to setting up a guitar amp in another room and then that's like toing and froing that I'd have to do and miking and you know yeah. doing all that kind of stuff if I just DI right into my interface and then throw an amp sim on and post that's limiting variables for me and I think that goes a long way with your energy and your ability to kind of critically review your stuff and the same with vocals too I don't set my vocals up in a different room I usually set up my mic right beside my desk. So I'm just like, so that it's just the workflow is that much more simple. And I'm the mm-hmm. kind of person too, where I've, I've learned that breaking things up into stages helps a lot. So drums, for example, um, I like to get everything set up the day before I plan on recording so that the day of is only hitting record. Right. That's something I've learned that goes a long way. I get much better tones. I'm in a much better headspace when I record, when I split those kinds of things up. Because you get tired when you have to do everything yourself. Totally. Um, I've learned that with shoots, too. Like, if I'm if I'm doing a shoot that's also live audio, I have to have everything set up the day before. And then I just walk in the next day and, and just hit record and do it. Um, right. So for recording drums on my own, um, I usually like to set the day before to be the setup day. So I'll get all the mics in place. Um you know, put up any acoustic treatment that I have to do, um, in my space. And I kind of get everything set up and like game stage the night before, um, make sure my headphone mix is how I like it. And, uh, you know, get the drums all, uh, tuned up more or less the night before so that the day of I'm just walking in, I'm adjusting the tuning, just, you know, um, just to make sure they're tip top before I hit record. And then I'm just sitting down and hit record. Everything else has been taken care of. Um, I know all the mics are in phase. I know that, you know, the placement is good. Um, all that kind of stuff. Um, I find doing physical recording, especially when you have to handle a lot of gear, especially with drums where most of my drum setups, I think are, I'm averaging between 10 and 12 mics on my kit. Yep. Fairly often. Um, that's a lot to do. It's a lot of energy to set all that up and patch it and make sure everything's connected right. And you know, everything's <laughs> <It's> working. <all> working. <laughs> um, yeah. All that kind of crap. Um, do it the day before. And I know that's not, you know, for everyone, but for me, it's like, that's the night before is doing all the setups so that the day I'm actually planning on doing the recording, that's the only thing I'm doing that day is I'm just sitting right. down, I'm doing a quick warm up, and then I hit record and I record. Um, that's key for me to record myself playing drums is splitting that up. Um, and then, like I said, for, you know, um, guitar, bass, vocals, just trying to minimize variables as much as I can, trying to get it so that it's the simplest I can make it and that I can spend more time later tweaking things if they need to be tweaking, uh, if they right. need to be twoke. <laughs> Tweaked. Tweaked. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I like twoke. I'm going to stick with twoke. If things need to be twoke later, um, (laughs) then, uh, yeah, then I can just do that later. Uh, So trying to just, you know, 
limit those variables. What about you, uh, physically recording? Do you, do you have like systems in place of like how you do things or um, splitting things up in ways? I kind of do in a in a sense, um, but not nearly as much as you do because for me, I do all my guitar. My own guitars are all through an Axe FX. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's the same kind of thing where I don't want to, I don't need to worry about a microphone on an amp somewhere else and all that kind of stuff. It's all within the Axe effects, um, which gives me options. One, I recorded DI as well. So I have, mm. I can reamp later. I can tweak later. Uh, it's also nice for editing, but that's a totally different point. Um, <laughs> but it's, it gives me the options, but I can also save the sounds so I can mm-hmm. go back to them later if I need to add different parts or change something yeah. or tweak it slightly. Uh, you know, I do a lot of where I demo stuff out first with rough sounds and then I'll probably, you know, after the drums are in, then I'll redo the guitars to match a bit tighter. And mm, at that point smart. I'll have the tones a little more where I can dial them in because I know kind of the overall vision uh, mm-hmm. that I'm going to be going for because I demoed it out pretty severe, like pretty heavily. I mean, you've heard my demos. They're, they could almost, <laughs> if I mixed them a bit better, could pass <laughs> yeah. as final recordings. Um, oh, yeah. But that's kind of my way Your of, demos are my finals. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, but that's part of my workflow just because mm-hmm. I'm, I mean, I'm an engineer by trait. This is exactly, that's my whole thing. So for me, it's part of my creative thing is to demo it out very thoroughly with rough tones, but that are close enough mm-hmm. that then when I go redo it, it's I'm honing in on that kind of thing. And I already know the bigger picture. So in a way that's part of how I can record myself because I'm not worried about the fine tuning the tones yeah. overly in the actual creative moment of trying to play, especially when I'm writing, um, yeah. when I'm recording the finals and everything's demoed out, I can tweak the tones. I can spend an hour tweaking the tone before I record because I, at that point, that's what I'm doing. And in my head, that's what I'm doing. Um, I'm the same way too where I have one amp sim that I use when I start every time because it's very low CPU. Like it doesn't like crash my computer at all. It's a fairly universal tone too. Like I find it works for most things, but like that's like – it's actually a menace from uh, Toneforge. Yeah. It's just great. It just, it pretty much works in any context that I'm using it in. Um, Unless it's like a very specific effectsy kind of um, a lead or something like that. But I'll throw that on like all of my rhythms, all of my leads, and that's what I'll use to record everything. And then I'll go and because I just have all the DIs. And then later when I'm mixing, I'm picking out much more specific and fine tuning the amps and the cabs and everything like that. And the only time I'll I'll switch that out is if for whatever reason, the part that I'm playing just isn't popping the way it should. Right. The way I know it should while I'm tracking, I'm like, okay, like I'm going to sub it out with some other amp or I'm going to tweak it just because like this riff should be coming out more. I'm playing it pretty hard. You know what I right. mean? So, yeah. Um, but yeah, it sounds like we have very similar systems. You're just using kind of the external hardware version with yeah. XFX and I'm just going pure software. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I do, I think I, I do tweak the sounds a little bit uh, more when I'm doing the demos, even like I am mm-hmm. picking different ones, but I also same kind of thing. I have a starting point. That's mm-hmm. kind of the preset that I start with and tweak from there as I work the part out and then record it with that sound. And then that's kind of the starting point. Then sa- like that, the second version of the sound is the starting point for the third version of the sound, which will be yeah. the final version when I actually record the final guitars. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's the same kind of thing. I don't want to be bogged down 
being overly critical from an engineering perspective when I'm trying to be creative in the writing aspect of it, especially yeah, that's, I, that's kind of my big thing. And, and that's a different kind of separation, but it is in the theme of separating and not having as many barriers um, mm-hmm. in each, in each phase. And that's tricky too, because you got to wear so many different hats. I guess that's yeah. the big thing I've learned too, is the, is the power of the demo too, yep. is the demo is really, um, like when I'm writing my own music with the, the intent on, you know, producing it and releasing it, like I have to have a demo version where I just kind of, it's just barf on a page, almost like when you first totally. write a paper where you just kind of get it all out and then just see what's there. Like you yep. get it all out of your head and you don't worry about the engineering at all, really. Like as long yeah. as it, as long as it's there and you can hear it, whatever. Yeah. Um, and I think that's really, really important if you're doing like full self productions is to get mm-hmm. those demos out so that you can really critically review and listen to your stuff. And then you can make those better informed engineering decisions later. Like, okay, I got it out. Which string gauge should I actually be using for these different parts? Which yeah. guitar should I select for these different parts? Yeah. Because that'll affect the DI, you know, like a um, a DI from a different guitar is going to sound a little different uh, yeah. depending on what you run it through. So I think the power of the demo is really um, understated in self-production totally. and not just going for the final product right away. Like put yeah. in the time to make your demo. And the biggest thing I'll say about that, though, is when you're making your demo, and I think you and I have kind of coined this as a joke between us, there is no such thing as a demo because <laughs> you never know what you can't replicate. Like, yes. it might be the simplest thing, but you might just not hit it the same way. And maybe that's because of demoitis. I don't know. Like, you've just gotten attached to the demo. Yeah. But there might just be a vocal or a lead guitar line or just something that you did in the in the demo that you just can't quite replicate in the final version yep. that put in the extra work to make sure the demo is good. Like, just make sure the guitar guitar is tuned, that you're really giving it your all and that the variables are limited as possible so that if you Mm -hmm. have to use something from the demo in the final version, it's not like a travesty. Yeah, exactly. And, and I will say that the, the caveat here and the, what I want to, um, that I don't a hundred percent agree with, it, it goes exactly with what you just said. There's no such thing as a demo. So when you're doing your demos, uh, you want to get a bigger picture, but I think there should be some uh, attention paid to the engineering so that you have something usable, mm-hmm. but you're not spending a million hours tweaking the exact frequencies and the whatever. But that being yeah. said, I am definitely inspired by the tones that I'm using and by this, the guitar that I'm playing, whatever, four different parts. So for me yeah. personally, at least... That is part of the demo and part of the creation is picking the guitar that I like, picking the tone that I like. Is it a heavy tone? Is it a crunchy tone? Is it super distorted? Is it clean? Is it delay? Whatever mm-hmm. the thing might be. So I do, uh, I do, um, have that in there, but I don't spend an hour trying to craft the tone if it, <laughs> if it's not inspiring me. I, sure just kind of, I try and limit how long I actually allow myself to get distracted uh, down a rabbit hole of let's find the perfect tone. It's like, no, no, no. Find a tone that's good. Find a tone that's inspiring me. Find Mm -hmm. a guitar that's inspiring me, but, and, and make it so that it's usable, make it so it's recorded well, that it's not clipping, but Mm -hmm. don't worry about the a hundred percent mix unless that's going to be inspiring you. Um, yeah. And, and it's fast enough and you're fast enough at doing it. And the more you do it, the faster you get. I mean, 
as somebody who's honed in on engineering for tons of different people trying to do it as fast as possible for big clients and stuff, I've gotten better at that. So when I'm doing my own demos, that's why my demos can sound really good is because Mm -hmm. that's second nature at that point. Half of that stuff is just like, that's throwing it together because (laughs) that's just what I've honed in on in my brain. (laughs) You know, it just, it works that way. And, and I guess my thing is if you're an artist and you're writing, just don't worry about getting bogged down if you don't need to just mm-hmm. that's that can be later get the ideas out especially if you're the artist and you're you're writing get mm-hmm. the ideas out make it good enough that you could use it to some degree because there's no such thing as a demo <laughs> you never know what's going to get used but um you know don't allow that to get you bogged down and and make you completely uninspired to keep working on the song. <laughs> yeah. I think you hit no the, good. yeah, I think you said something perfect when you said like just avoiding the rabbit holes, you know yeah. what I mean? Like it doesn't mean you can't do like better engineering when you're doing a demo or practice better engineering when you're making your demo. Yeah. Just make your demo. Don't go down all of the rabbit holes that you know you yep. can go down later when you're fine tuning and when you're making the quote final product. Yeah. Um, when you can spend that kind of time, but yeah, when you're making your demo, just, you know, do a good job, do, do what you need to do, but, uh, just avoid the rabbit holes that we all exactly. love to go down and, and oh. you don't realize you're down it until you're already past the key. <laughs> yeah. Just keep, keep on the, on the, keep trucking to make sure that you're staying creative on the idea that you're working on mm-hmm. at that point, I think yeah. is, is a big no thing. Doubt. Um, so for me, when I'm recording, uh, physically, I'm the same way as you. I do vocals literally right here in front of my computer. I have an SM7, so it doesn't capture. And this is part of why I like this mic. It works for my voice, but also uh, it doesn't capture a whole whack of stuff around me when I'm working. Um, And that's just, I've made that choice. (laughs) They're great mics for that. Such a beautiful Um, little mic. Yeah. But I, but I genuinely like how it sounds on my voice. I've tried tons of mics and I just, I like how it works. Um, And then the, bonus is that I can do vocals right here in the control room for that purpose. And that's good when I'm doing guitars. I, because the aspects I can sit here and play and the keyboards right in front of me, I can do it really easily for you. uh, I know we Mm. both kind of share the same thing as you said with the vocals doing them right there and, and, and guitars, same kind of thing, but drums, how do you do drums physically? Just an overview of, of that kind of thing. Yeah, no doubt. Um, I record drums very differently than I record like guitars. I've really learned to love recording guitars in sections and doing everything by the section. Okay. So with guitars, I've uh, right now I like doing it section by section, and then I edit as soon as I get a take I like. Um, if I have to comp something, I comp it right in the moment, and then I bounce it out, and then I immediately edit it. So that because I found that with editing, especially with guitars. Um, I don't like going back to the beginning at the end and then having to Mm -hmm. edit absolutely everything. I really like editing as I go because then my takes actually end up being tighter because I'm recording layers to already edited takes. So Mm -hmm. then I'm a little tighter because I have to like actually fit into it already. Right. Same with bass too. Bass, I think um, I record bass the exact same way I record a guitar. So I do all that layering and that comping and that editing as I go. With drums, I don't like doing that. I like doing front to back. Um, Yeah multiple times and then comping everything 
at the end and then editing everything at the end. Okay. Um, that's how I prefer to do it. With drums, I need to feel and hear the whole song at once. Yeah. Um, with guitars, I don't know, for whatever reason, when I track that, I, I, I'm totally fine splitting it up. Um, I'm totally fine kind of like feeling it very slowly ramp up and ramp down. But with drums, um, I think it's a lot because there's so much like overtone. So like with cymbals and with just bleed and stuff like that, it's really hard to punch things in and go slowly. And that's just not how I like to drum. I, I like to drum with kind of a very, with very fluid motions. Um, yeah. I, you know, I've worked a long time on my technique to make it very fluid and very natural um, so that the hard parts hit hard and the light parts feel light. Um so uh, yeah, with drums, it it ha- for me it has to be beginning to end, and then I have, if I'm punching something in, it's very much like one fill that I just didn't feel I nailed, or just one thing here or there. But um, right. for the most part, it's beginning to end. I usually do somewhere between th- four and six takes of a song, okay. depending on the song and the difficulty. Um, I find right around there is the sweet spot. Usually, the second take or the second to last take is my best. Yeah. Um, the reason it's always the second to last is because the last take is always what I say. Okay, one more for insurance. You know what I mean? Right. It's just like one more, and I'm yeah. not thinking about it that much. I'm just kind of going because yeah. I already know I got the good take. So yeah. it's always yeah. the second take because I got the jitters out, um, or the second to last take uh, because that's the one that I felt like okay, that one I nailed. I can. I, right. I'm done. But yeah, for for me in terms of the actual like physical recording process. Um, I have everything on my laptop um, that usually is on top of the rig um, with my interface. And then I'm usually, um, I don't know what you call it, satellite mobile with Mm. uh, the iPad um, as like a control surface, basically. Uh, Logic's great for that because they have a compatible app that acts as a full control surface for the the DAW. So I usually have the iPad right there on on another drum stool. And that's what I'm using to hit record or back up and go to a different section. Um, And again, because I put in the time for that day before to do all the actual engineering. Right. The day of is just performance. So I just need something that allows me to hit record and go back to the beginning without having to get up and get down every time. Um, With drums too, because it's beginning to end, it's longer. Um, I have to take like little breaks sometimes in between. It always kind of depends. Like if I feel after the third take that I'm making the same mistake again and again, I get up, walk around, kind of shake it off, mentally reset get some water, sit back down. Um, Whereas like recording guitar, I'll just sit there with coffee the whole day. And if it's like, up, oh, screw that up, up, screw that up, up, screw that up, up, up. Yeah. there was the one. Okay, moving on. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. You get micro um, breaks with guitars. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. So it's not as stressful. And um, the way I track my own guitar is I really don't keep anything I don't need. So I okay. don't unnecessarily have take folders or comps or anything like that. I just record the section or the part until I nail it. Like I nail it, nail it. Yep. And I know I've nailed it. And I'm like, okay, great. Then that's done. Double it if I need a double, triple if I need a triple, or move on. I yep. really don't keep like multiple takes or multiple comps anymore. I used to, um, especially with vocals. And I don't do that anymore, too, with vocals. I just keep I, – I do it until I nail it. And when I know I nailed it, I just move on. And then if yep. later I find out I didn't nail it as much as I did, I just go back and redo it. You know, I right. don't keep 10,000 takes as opposed to with drums because it's beginning to end. So with that – I'll have the five takes and then in post I'll go in comp it to hell. Right. So that it's like the perfect take of yeah. drums. And then I go in, chop it all up and grid it all and everything like that, depending on the genre on the song. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one thing I just want to touch on uh, real quick, when you're getting set up, when you're getting your engineering ready and you're getting the drums ready, you set up the microphones, you, you mic up the kit, 
you mm -hmm. patch it all. It's all, you know, you can, you know, clap in your, in the room and you see the mics are working. Mm -hmm. How do you actually get the drum sound? Cause the, you can't play and move the preamps. So just, just for all the people in the back. Sure. How do yeah. you do that? Usually it, I kind of go like piece by piece with the kit, depending on the song. Okay. Um, so if I have like a Tom break or a big Tom fill that like, I know I want like to sound good and big, I'll play that a couple of times and then I'll go and listen. And then I'll just really listen and say like, okay, are the Toms sounding like I want them to sound when I do this fill or when I do this like Tom break or whatever. Yeah. Um, and I kind of just do that around the kit. So I pick sections out of whatever I'm recording and I record a couple versions of them and maybe I'll, and I started for a little while. I would like record three different versions of it or like three different takes and then move the mic slightly and then see if I could pick one that I liked, but I found right. I could never quite get back to whatever that first one was. If the first one was the right. one I liked and I moved it ever so slightly. So I started just doing like, okay, do a little Tom Phil break, play it a couple times, go and listen to it. Am I happy with the sounds? Um, yep. Is everything in phase? Yep. Okay. Toms. Toms are clearly mic'd up well. Same with the kick. Same right. with the snare. Okay. Move to cymbals and general kick sound or kit sound. Um, yep. Are the room sounding the way I like? That's how I tend to break it up is I just record and go and check. And if it looks yep. right, if it sounds right, it is right. I move on. If not, yep. then I'll experiment moving the, the room mics back, moving the room mics in. Um, moving uh, the, the kick tends to be uh, one place where I, I experiment a lot in terms of I use right. two mics on the kick. I have the, the Beta 91A on the inside, which usually doesn't move that much. But then the other mic I usually put somewhere in the porthole and that'll right. change ever so slightly depending on what I'm doing, how much like boomy bassy sound I need. And as opposed to getting a little bit more yep. punch. Yeah. That's pretty much the methodology is get everything set up and then do the testing um, and just play little sections of the song, listen back to them. And if they need to be changed, kind of then just like stand there and think about it for a minute. Like, okay, I don't like the kick. Why don't I like the kick? It's not attacky enough. Okay, move the mics in a little bit. Yeah. Play yeah. some more kick in context. Listen back. Yeah, that's more what I'm looking for. Listen to the toms in a tom break. Huh, there's not enough attack to them. Okay, move the mics a little closer. Uh, now there's yeah. not enough like resonance. Move them back a little bit. Um, don't point them directly at the center. Point them a little bit more rim so I'm getting a little bit more body. You know, whatever. All those kinds of yeah, yeah. things. Yeah. Just record a snippet. Listen to it critically. Make a decision. Try it. If that works move on. Yeah. That's why <laughs> it takes, you know, so long to do it. <laughs> and also why it's so nice to separate the days, especially mm -hmm. for drums, because it it's does, it's a lot of play, fatiguing. record, yeah. listen, play, record, listen, play, record, listen, change, mm -hmm. play, record, listen, change, play. Like it's a loop. And you know, after a while you're like, Oh, now I don't want to really want to play the song, right? You need a break. <laughs> oh yeah. You need a minute at least you know, a little bit of time, if not the next day to, uh, to, to separate yourself from that. Cause it is, it's exhausting. And sometimes I'll get lucky and like put a lot of things together into a day so that like mm. I am sort of recording drums for like multiple projects in the same day. Right. So like maybe I'll shoot a cover at the same day I'm doing like something for you while also doing like a Sons of Horus track or something like that. Like yeah. I try to group them together so that all of that effort isn't just for one thing at a time. Totally. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, you know, it's, it's a lot of back and forth and it's a lot of, um, yeah, just testing, adjusting, testing, adjusting. And again, yep. 
you know, you're absolutely right. That's why I separated out one day is engineering and testing and making sure it's all sounding the way it should sound. The next yep. day is the actual performance day. And, and, you know, that's not as fatiguing when you have someone like, you know, an engineer that in, is in a studio and all you have to do is just hit the snare drum over and over and over while an assistant runs back and forth and like Changes nudges the mic back you, and yep. forth while a producer is in the, in the control room saying like, more buddy. <laughs> yeah. Um, but when, when you have to wear all three of those hats yourself, you, you know, you, well, you, separate you have to, it out. you have to play. So mm-hmm. you have to make sure you're playing like you want to play the song. You can't yeah. half ass it. Part. You need to make sure you're doing that. Then you have to, uh, listen to it critically and think, is this the right sound for what I'm going for, which takes a different part of your brain to think, you know, about the tone, not how you played it. And Mm -hmm. then you got to think about the, how do I fix what I need to fix being the engineer going, okay, I need more attack. So what does that mean for the mic on this Tom? Is it the Tom needs to be a different Tom or does it need to be a different skin or does it need to be tightened up or does it need to be a different mic or does the mic need to move? You have to figure out how am I going to fix this issue? And then you have to be the assistant and go and do it. And then you have to go back to being the player and play (laughs) like, and that's why it does. It is fatiguing. Whereas in the studio, when you have an engineer, you literally, the engineer and the assistant get it all set up and then you go down, sit and play, just play drums for 20 minutes. And next yeah. thing you know, it's like, cool, you're done. Come listen to it. <laughs> and it's good. You know? Yeah. And then you're like, okay, I'm going to go have a coffee and then I'll come in and play the track five times. We're done. Yeah. Like, that's it. And sometimes too, uh, when you're a one man band, uh, literally, um, <laughs> Knowing kind of like where you're going with it will also help your engineering process. So like um, in video production, I say shoot to edit Um, is kind of a phrase I use is like I I shoot a scene specifically how I already know how I'm going to edit it together. So that saves some time in terms of coverage and things like that. Yeah. Um, But if I'm working on a track where I know it's going to be fully sample replaced, I don't worry so much about like the quality of the, the direct mic on the toms. Right. I just make sure that visually I see very strong transients so that for sample replacement, it's really easy for someone like you or for someone like me. Yep. Because I know what the output of that is going to be. So that I think goes into uh, one man banding as well, because you just, if you know how you're going to use it, you can yep. do it a little bit faster. For example, and you know, like maybe I'll physically play the drums, but maybe I know I'm probably going to replace it all with MIDI in the end, just so right. it's easier to mix. So then I'm not going to worry about the tones at all. I'm only going to worry about really, really strong transients. So I can just convert all of those little bits of information into MIDI yep. and then quantize it that much faster. Or I'm going to send it to you and I know you're not going to use the, the, the direct mic that much. You're going to have a crazy awesome sample. You're going to put yeah. over top of it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but to contrast that, I had a session that I was working on where I actually didn't want any samples used. I wanted all natural tones. And for that, I outsourced the opinion uh, to you, actually. So what yeah. I did was yeah, I engineered all the drums and got them all mic'd up and everything like that. And then I recorded a couple takes of one song. And then I just sent you the multitracks of those. And I said, what do you think of these? If these were your yeah. sources, like what would you wish was there or what wasn't there? Like, give me some feedback on them because I wanted to make sure that the drums sounded as good as they possibly could from the source Yeah, because I knew I wasn't going to do any sample replacement. Um, so that was a great example of just outsourcing um, 
just feedback. And I, and I guess that's something I do as a, um, as a, a solo production too, is I have three different people that I send stuff to on a fairly right. regular basis. I send my tracks to you for kind of mix opinions and arrangement opinions. Yeah. I send um, my songs to Emmett O'Reilly um, because he's the best songwriter I know. And I always want his feedback just on songwriting and stuff like that. And then I send them to my other uh, really good friend, Tristan Matheson, because he can kind of give me just a consumer point of view. Totally. Um, he had, he doesn't really have like a technical background in, in, in music or music production. So he's really great to get feedback from because he'll give me a very just average kind of consumer he just likes metal and likes hard rock he likes right. just good songs so if he if he texts me back and says yeah man banger well done i'm like okay <laughs> great I can, that's I can, good I yeah. yeah this is good this is what exactly what i'm looking for like yeah. totally totally if he but includes it's... the fire emoji i'm walking on <laughs> you know i'm walking on clouds that day like oh got the fire emoji <laughs> yeah yeah but it's it is very true though having different people that you trust you know that you know uh you know that i'm going to give you my honest opinion if it's mm -hmm. trash i'm going to say malcolm this is trash you know yeah, not, but you also feel that you'll way say about, not your best work <laughs> not your best work yeah exactly my words my word choice uh might be different but um but at the same time you know you know when you send it to tristan he doesn't know exactly the ins and outs but he'll he's honest with you if he's like i don't love it he mm -hmm. would say that. <laughs> and so you know that, and that what can give you that confidence in, yeah, okay, I did good job. If mm -hmm. they say it's good and I feel good about it, then it's good. You know, I, I can feel good about it and move on. <laughs> no so that's very important, I think, to, to have. And I think that, that especially when you are a one-man band or a one-man production or doing a lot of stuff on your own, um, having that uh, kind of outsource thing. Cause even when I do mixes, I still have my buddy Al. I send a lot of my mixes to him and just, I'm mm -hmm. like, Hey dude, what do you think? And he just sends me a couple points or says, yeah, sounds great. Um, but it's like my little check, even though I've been doing this for years, I trust my speakers. I trust my ears. I, tr I know this, but it's still that extra added little, you know, confidence just mm -hmm. going, yep. The hundred percent. Yep. Good. We're, we're good. Or there's something I missed or because you're so deep into it as you know, as, as all wearing all these hats, mm -hmm. <laughs> you can sometimes lose perspective and that's yeah. what the, that can help with, uh, heavily. So, um, it's very interesting you say it too. And I think that is a very interesting point, um, with, you know, a lot of people think of mixed feedback. So once the whole thing's done, then they send it out for feedback, but you took it to the next level and we're like, you know what? I want to get the source right on this one, like overly. I don't want to have to try and fix it as much in the mix. I want it to yeah. be good, as good as possible right from the recording. And of course you want it to be as good as possible all the time from right from the recording. But sometimes it's a little more extreme than others where you're like, yeah, I can, I can fix this later. But this one, you took that to the next level and went, you know what? I'm going to really try and improve this. I'm going to really try and take this to the next level. And that was a learning experience in a, every other part of it. And with that, you literally took those the multi-tracks of the drums and sent them and went what do you think of mm -hmm. each mic of how it's sounding together like go through each one because it's you know for that you have to send 
each mic because I mean I can I can't yep. tell you how the snare sounds if it's bleeding from the toms and I'm like oh it's really roomy <laughs> well yeah because the toms are really roomy you know what I mean like yeah and I couldn't just send you a, a mix down of just like all the drum mics it doesn't mixed work because like then the way I mix them might really affect might, like you needed exactly. to hear the source of all of those mics and how they exactly. work together yeah 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 very it's very true and that's the uh, also a tough part sometimes with mix feedback and i mean you've you've heard my mix feedback where i'm like i think you're doing this and i Mm -hmm. think this is what you need to do differently but sometimes that's not the case i i I did mix feedback for somebody once and i got feedback on it and they said everything was really really good blah 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 blah. like they were really happy with it and their, their email back to me was this is amazing and all this kind of stuff but they said but there was no guitar in the chorus Uh. (laughs) and i'm like okay then obviously you have a synth that's fooling me to think it's a guitar Mm -hmm. but i mean i don't know i i'm listening and i'm thinking it's a guitar but obviously it's not sure um but you can't sometimes you just can't tell and that's just the reality of it so Mm -hmm. um okay so so moving forward you you know when you do the drums you call, you have your your takes you know you you've got your couple good takes that's all good when you when it comes to vocals you said you have stopped you you comp on the go and stop taking a bunch of takes and comping later mm-hmm. how do you know that you have a good take what's your kind of like how does that work do you just feel it do you you know do you ever take safety kind of stuff how does that work I sometimes take a safety. I usually, usually my safeties are in, are in doubles and triples. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of just, it, it's my style. I just know when I've hit it. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, I think it's just a confidence thing that has come with, with doing it enough times and feeling it in my chest and my voice as well. And I guess to preface this, like I do scream vocals almost exclusively. Right. I don't sing really. Um, so there is an element that I don't have to know that I hit the note or not. <laughs> true. Very uh, true. So yeah. there's, there's one less thing in the equation for me in terms of uh, what I need to do. Right. Um, but for me, I can just listen back and it's like, am I getting that grit that I know I can get? You know, yep. is, it, is it hitting right? Is it kind of blending in, in the way I, I, I can hear it blending in my head? Um, and rhythmically, is it really on point? Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes, like I said, um, I don't know, for me, just like keeping a million takes or a million comps usually doesn't get me there. Comping, I feel, especially with my vocals and like, it's all about kind of the one go of it. Um, yeah. If I if I comp up like every syllable or every word or anything like that, it sounds manufactured to me. I can never quite get it to sound like it flows naturally, and maybe that's right. just because I haven't put in the um, the time to figure out that kind of editing. Yeah. Um, but for me, with my vocals, uh, especially with the scream vocals, every line needs to feel like it's just like in your face and just coming through the ceiling. You know what I mean? Totally. Um, so, um, and that's not exactly how I would do it with other artists too. Like if I had other mm. artists come in, I do take multiple comps, um, multiple takes and I comp them together and I have, and I have safeties and stuff like that. Cause I can't, I can't just have them come back in. And maybe that's it is I know that like, I'm just doing it in my own room, in my own space. If I need to set it all up again, I can set it up with basically the same variables. You know what I mean? Right. Um, so maybe that's it. It's just I, I feel confident that if I need to redo it later, I can because it's my yep. time. I just need to make the time and there's no one to blame that it didn't get done right the first time or anything like that. <laughs> totally. You know what I mean? Like it's just, it's yeah. just the process. So yeah. um, – and maybe that's that's a bit of a comfort about doing it yourself too is that you you don't feel like you're wasting anyone else's time. You don't feel like you have to nail it or um, – 
get it all in one go because it's just your time um, mm. and your energy. So maybe maybe that's an element to it. Um, for me, I like to get like the main vocal done first. So I'll kind of go through and get like the top line done for the whole song. And then I go back and layer by section. Right. Um, as opposed to guitar, which I'll layer as uh, as I go through the sections. With right. the vocals, I do tend to change it up a little bit where I get the main line kind of done in sections throughout the whole song. Not right. in one go, obviously. And then I'll go back and layer out the sections um, as dynamically I need to. So, like, I know right away the chorus. Oh, I'm probably going to triple the chorus um, if I'm doing a scream chorus. But for um, verses, probably just a double. Right. Is good enough. Um, so I'll get all those done. Um, like bridge, maybe I'll double or triple based on how big I need it to be. And then sometimes I'll go back through and do like a, a whisper track for screams. That's always yep. kind of nice. Yeah. Um, that I'll usually do at the end once I got everything figured out because that'll be kind of like one continuous line. I'll just right. do it until I run out of like whisper breath and then yeah. I'll just stop <laughs> back up and keep going until I run out of breath. Right, right. Because um, that's going to get like squashed to heck and, you know, compressed to hell. So it doesn't really matter. <laughs> to yeah, me not a forefront much. thing yeah no it's background it's texture it's just for articulation yeah um but yeah for the me the for me the big thing i'm listening to is do i have the power that i'm seeking for for the different sections and do i have the articulation that i need especially with screaming can get really scrambled and i like very articulate screaming like that's why i'm really attracted to like randy blythe um, yeah. from Lamb of God. He's just a very articulate screamer. You can really hear what he's saying and some some guys get really muddy and I don't like that. So I really look for articulation and rhythmic consistency is the rhythm on top, especially because I, I think of screaming kind of as a percussion instrument as much as a, a vocal right. instrument. Um, it, it, it's, it's very percussive. So it's got to be rhythmically tight without the editing first and then editing just kind of puts it in the pocket. Yeah. Um, but that's what I look for in vocals. Uh, okay. In terms of knowing that I got the right take, and I don't know, it's it, it's a feeling thing too. Like when 100%. you just when you the get that thing. right take, you can feel it, and you're just like, oh, this is going to be good. And you back it up, and you hit play, and you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. that was the one. Okay, we can move on. Yeah, no. Totally. <laughs> and some things are more important. Like it's more important to really focus on the chorus if if I'm doing a scream chorus or a, or a big scream like bridge where the yeah. the bridge is kind of the the climax of the song. I'll spend more time on that to get it like really, really good. Whereas yeah. the verse, like, you know, screaming in a verse is, is a little passive. Like you're kind of getting, getting through it to get back to the chorus. So right. I, I, I don't always waste as much time getting the verse perfect as I will. Like the chorus that I really wanted to like smack and groove and feel. Right. It, it's, it's, it's interesting. So I do it a little bit differently. Um, it sort of, I don't do a lot of <laughs> takes, where I keep a whole whack of takes for myself. Uh, I'm mm -hmm. the same way where I do that with, with other artists when I'm working with yeah. other people, I take a bunch of takes. I, I keep it all. I comp it later. Um, and that kind of thing. But for vocals for myself, I'm like, as soon as I get the take that I like, I double it and then I triple it right off mm -hmm. the bat done. And I actually do doubles and triples for the whole song. Oh. Um, and I do the lead vocal first uh, but I do the whole song with doubles and triples automatically because if I don't like something, then I at least have a triple that I could use instead. <laughs> like I have two backups yeah. for the whole song in case. Um, and I, I'm, I love editing. I've, I've talked about this a lot. So I'm totally okay if I have basically I have three options and later on down the line, if I'm like, Ooh, that lead actually wasn't great. 
I'll use the other one. Um, then I can use that and I can, I can still make the lead. The lead, nothing is going to be so far off that I can't edit it into place, mm-hmm. especially if yeah. it's like the triple. Um, it might sound a bit wonky if you solo it sometimes, but that's, that's fine. Um, that's not what you're supposed to do anyway. So <laughs> exactly. So I'm, I like, I don't, I don't overly care, um, in that way. Cause I'm just going to edit it all together anyway, to make it sound like one big edited, perfect vocal anyway. And I love the sound of the way that I edit my vocals, um, making it really tight and really perfect. So I'm, yeah. I'm not looking for too much pitch wise. And I do a lot more singing and, and more aggressive singing kind of vocals as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do have to worry about pitch and worry about the actual, um, melodies that I'm doing, but I don't have to, uh, try and, um, you know, make it super, super perfect. Cause I'm like, I'm going to tune the hell out of this anyway. <laughs> so that's totally fine. And just a quick note on that. Something that really opened my eyes and kind of blew my mind apart was, I can't remember where I got this. I heard someone say once in, in reference to engineering vocals and stuff like that, yeah. that you can always tune a vocal. You can't tune emotion. Yep. That you can't like add emotion in post. There's no plug to like up the emotion of a vocal. Totally. So it's so, so when you're tracking, it's so much more important to really focus on the emotion and emoting through the vocal lines than yep. it is to make sure that they're hitting every note absolutely perfect. Because you can always because really if they get yeah. the right emotion across for the song, you can tune it to the right note. You exactly. can't tune emotion. And that was one of those moments. I don't remember where I heard it, whether it was a podcast or a YouTube video, but it was when I heard it, it was just like, whoa, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, that's so yeah. true. And it totally changed the way I track vocals. I, I said that in a recent podcast episode, actually. So did you? Okay. Yeah. Maybe it was you. I, I want to say maybe it was I've talked Jay? about it before. Did Jay I've, say that? I, we talked about it in a different episode with Jay as well. Yeah. Okay. I've talked maybe about that's... this many times. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So it's, maybe, it's very so maybe that's it. Maybe I've just probably, heard it so many times yeah. that now I can't like stick it to one but thing, it's but, because it is yeah. so true though and the way that i see oh, man, editing yeah. is you can add tuning you can time it I, all that kind of stuff i can create that um <laughs> but i can't create the emotion there's no plugin that's going to give me the emotion but you know so i can i can make you in tune but you got to give me the the vibe of the song mm-hmm. um so i'm i that's how i kind of uh go after my own vocals and i think that's also why like i don't i barely do a lot of takes like I get it right and then I double it and then I triple Mm it I I'm not even like oh is that one like the right like honestly I could do this line 20 times and still not be 100% certain so is it good enough that I can edit it and did it get the point across do I feel like the emotion is there yes Mm -hmm. then it is then it's good I'm not super picky like some like some vocalists are really in tune with that I'm personally not I, because I think it's because I edit it so heavily that I'm like, I, it doesn't matter to me. <laughs> it's going to be, it's going to be perfect in the end. Um, yeah. so maybe it's part of that. Uh, but uh, I mean, I, I make it good, but I mm-hmm. don't worry too heavily about it. But then I have those backups of, um, doubles and triples in case Smart. I'm like, Ooh, yeah. that didn't, didn't work. Um, and then yeah, I, saved so I, my ass before <laughs> um, it's yeah, really helpful. And so I do the lead vocal all the way through. Um, and then if I have any like main lead layers that I need, uh, sometimes I do like a, a low lead and a high lead for like a chorus mm-hmm. and I'll do that as, as well at the same time. And then I'll go back and start doing backgrounds. 
uh, and backgrounds. Yeah. I just, as long as it's the right melody ish and <laughs> it's in time and it's the right wording, it's yeah. good enough because they're, <laughs> they're buried in the mix half the time and they're tuned to fit the vocal, the mm-hmm. lead. So I'm like, it's perfect. <laughs> um, do you, do you add money like gang vocals or like try to make like a crowd out of yourself? Do you ever do that? I, um, not too much in terms of, I mean, sometimes I do make like a gang where I'm doing different types of shouting, Mm -hmm. but I just do so many, and you've seen my vocals before when you get them, I do so many layers (laughs) of harmonies and stuff, um, that it's like a choir more than a gang to me. Um, but yeah, if I do use any special techniques to achieve that, to make it sound more like it's not just one person doing 20 takes, I, uh, to a degree, um, Mm -hmm. When I'm doing backgrounds, like uh, harmony, more harmony style, I don't care. I It's the same vocalist. It's the same sound. It's mm-hmm. I, I will manipulate it and post how I want it to f- sit in the mix. That's totally fine. Uh, when I'm doing more gang, shouty kind of gangy kind of things, I guess you could say, mm-hmm. I do to a degree um, where I do different emotion in the thing. I kind of yell it mm-hmm. slightly differently or do a slightly different melody almost if there's a melody involved, um, yeah. you know, a higher one and a lower one. And I do a couple of each, um, because they're going to be different anyway. So I just kind of mm-hmm. do that. Uh, and then I don't do a lot of the, like step back a foot and do another three and then step back two feet and do another. <laughs> I don't, I don't do that. I'm like, if I want it to be further away, I'll add more reverb to the ones that are mm-hmm. further away. I'm, mm-hmm. I want the pure vocal sound from the mic, uh, oh, okay. and to manipulate it in post because I, just don't like it not having that option because then the vocal, the compression's all wrong. And I just, that's mm. not the way that I do it. I add that's part of the, like the room I add after the fact, uh, okay. if I'm doing stuff like that. So yeah, fair enough. I've started kind of playing with those kind of techniques. Like yeah. not, not nothing too quite, um, scientific, like, right. <laughs> like doing one foot, two foot, three foot. Right. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But, um, I've started just kind of playing with like plugging my nose for a couple takes just to get okay. kind of like a different sound. And I'll try to do like a distinctly high voice, a distinctly low voice. Yeah. Yep. I'll do a couple where I'm like, right, like, you know, eating the mic and then a couple where I'm just like a little farther back just to get like a slightly roomier sound. Yeah. And I've actually found that like playing with a couple of those things, cause like I, you know, I, I write pretty aggressive music. So usually the gang vocals are like shouting a kind of like important line totally. um, that I really want like emphasize. So I do want a lot of like punch and attack to them. So yeah. I find I can make it sound like more people with just like a little bit of manipulation that way, like plugging my nose, like d- just doing yeah. different like voices almost like I'll do like a, like a James Earl Jones, like, you know, yeah, <laughs> totally. <laughs> this is the end. End, you know, yeah, yeah, and then yeah. you know, this is the end. And just <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Once you yeah. once you compress them and mix them all together, and then throw them in a big room, like yeah, yeah, it, it sounds like more people. <laughs> totally, it doesn't just sound like more of me. Yeah, and I think um, to a, like if I'm in a really nice room, I do mm-hmm. the kind of step back from the mic, and if I'm oh, okay. with people, I because it's I want the room. So if I compress mm-hmm. it, the room comes out. Here I don't care about that <laughs> because there is no room anyway. So I you want it dead, and just, I want it dead yeah, so accurate. I can add a nice room, a nice church, or a nice cathedral to it after the fact. Um, mm-hmm. I do to a degree what you're saying, but not to like I don't plug my nose and do it. <laughs> I'm not maybe quite as extreme. If I want that kind of stuff, 
-hmm. I think it's just because I've worked with so many different people and done it in so many different contexts. I will literally just go, hey, Malcolm. I need some gangs. Yeah. Hey, Al, yeah just, record just some call gangs. Up different like I just call up different people <laughs> at that point and just, I know enough people with enough recording knowledge to record themselves and just go, mm-hmm. here's the thing. Just record yourself four times and send it to me. Um, cool. I've, so, I, uh, in that regard though, I've, I've found that there's no real replacement to just getting like five to 10 people in a room with one mic though. Like, it's there's something you you can yeah. you can layer them all together and they'll sound like what you're going for but it's True. to me it's like it's kind of the difference between like a stock midi violin versus yeah. getting like an actual string string quartet to come in and record you know what i mean yeah. like it'll get the idea across it's fine but it's not quite the magic of actually getting five people in a room totally. screaming at a microphone. For yeah. These gang and, vocals. I don't know. There's, I, I think there's no replacing the real thing there in that, that instance. That one is a, that one's a tough one for sure. Um, mm-hmm. to replace. I think it's just fun. You can feel the vibe of the five people in a room just having fun because they're mm-hmm. all kind of screwing around at that point. So. And they're not, and quite you can hear accurate. that. Yeah. And you can't edit it. You cannot change it. So no. Yeah. It is what it is, and that's kind of part of the <laughs> thing, I yes. guess. You know. So the other the other thing I wanted to talk about, which you mentioned before, and uh, it went in the middle of a bunch of stuff, and I wanted to put my my two cents in, <laughs> um, is with guitars. So you mentioned you actually record a part and mm-hmm. then edit it, and then record like the double. Is that? Mm-hmm. And then you edit that, and then record the next layer, and then edit that, and then record the double to that layer. Yep. And then edit, like, that's how you do it. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So I don't do that. <laughs> um, I will record layers. I layer things as I go. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm the same kind of, I approach the song that way, but I don't edit as I go at all. I mm. sit down and edit later. Um, mm. I do rhythm guitars and then I'll edit the rhythm guitars and then do lead guitars if I can. Like, I do try and separate that. Well, but. Okay. I don't edit as I go. Mostly, I think because I'm, I just sit down and edit, and I fast at editing when I get in the editing workflow. When I'm recording, okay. I'm I want to record. So when I play mm-hmm. something, and I play it the right way on the guitar, I want to double that exact thing that I did, the exact like the way that I I fingered it, the way that I played each thing, the way that I sure hit the strings and, and the way that I would like slide with which finger to hit the note to. And so I don't want to edit it in the time because I'm like, I need to remember what I did and how I, how hard <laughs> I hit it, how I felt when I did it. I need to yeah. replicate that right away to double it. Um, so I'm, I'm a lot more of like, get the ideas down and half the time when I'm doing that also, I've, I'm continuing to write, it seems, um, mm-hmm. as I layer, I'm like, Ooh, that I screwed that up, but that's a nice harmony. Ooh, I should try that. So I'm just sure, like, yeah, and, I and that'll do happen that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm very much, be- I think it's because I'm an editor as well. And I've done tons of editing that mm. editing is a separate thing to me. And so yeah. I, sit down and I'm like, this is okay. I'm going to edit this song for the next three hours, you know, and that's what I do. And that's what I used to do. I used to sit down and track absolutely everything and then do a separate editing session. I find with my lifestyle, because I work a nine to five, right? I just don't have the time to do that all the time. And I find 
I put it off when I know I have like a three hour editing session of guitars in front of me. Um, cause that's just a lot of time to eat up. So I find I've just learned to be more efficient while I, to edit while totally. I track yep. because then I get it done faster. And two, there's been a couple scenarios too, where like, while I'm editing, I'm realizing that I didn't track it as well as I could have. Right. Um, and it's making me edit harder um, right. because of the way I tracked it because it sounded muddled. I thought I nailed it, but because I was layering – because I was recording the fourth guitar of the same part, it was such a muddied sound that right. like I didn't actually do that take very well at all. Right. Whereas I find if I edit as I go, I right away know if I got the part right or not because right. it's going to sound very off compared to the three gridded guitars that have already been done. Right. Yeah. So for me, that's just um, a simple, I think, workflow that I've really gotten used to. And I find if you do it in smaller chunks too, um, I've just found, especially with Logic, you know, you pull up flex time um, and then you put in your, your cuts and then you can actually just quantize it um, audio once you put in those little markers. So then right. that's a little faster tune. If you do it in smaller chunks, it's easier to um, calibrate the quantization a little bit more accurately to mm. 16th notes or 18th or eighth notes. Right. So then they'll snap pretty much where you want them. And then it's very quick to just listen. And it's not fatiguing very much to listen to a short section of guitar right. once to make sure that it snapped correctly and then fix the ones that didn't snap the right way. Right. Right. Um, and again, that's, that's just kind of my work, my solo workflow. I find chunking everything up a little bit more Yeah. so that, Nothing feels like it's going to take as many hours at a time where I'm just doing one thing. Totally. My mind can just kind of keep up and stay in the zone a little longer because I'm not just sitting there leaning back like, move transient, <laughs> move transient, move transient. Like I'm a little just more engaged. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. No, totally. I, that makes total sense. And, and you're totally right where the it's the mental game is also a big thing, especially when you're doing everything yourself. You yeah. have to be able to stay engaged. And if that's what works, then that's what works for me. It's separating it. And that's what works because I mm -hmm. like sitting down to just edit. Um, to just do and, one thing. Yeah. Yeah. And it just, the workflow, the, the way that I edit works better. Like I don't use, um, elastic audio or flex time stuff mm -hmm. to edit. I chop everything. So once I duplicate and playlist and go through and I start, ta then I'm like so honed in and that I just, I want it to be one thing. And, I mm -hmm. just, to me, it works better and the way that I edit and the way that I, then I have to fade everything and then I just can listen at the end and it just works better if I can do the whole guitar. If I have to do one piece yeah. at a time, I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to die. This is so, <laughs> this does not work for me. I w it just doesn't work that way, especially for rhythm guitars. The odd lead guitar stuff, depending on how I do it, because sometimes I do some strange guitar things where I can't play or I don't or it's physically impossible or just I'm it's physically impossible for me to play something that I've written. So I have to do like the first half and then punch in a piece <laughs> and then the second half and then punch in a note and another note. And then those parts I added on the go because I have mm -hmm. to, to be able to tell if I did it right. So if yeah. I'm doing a more Billy talent style guitar thing, um, note by note by note, <laughs> note by note by note, then yes, I edit. But if I'm mm -hmm. playing the actual chords, um, then I, I typically will edit that after the fact. And even if I'm doing both of them in the same song, I'll edit the stuff that's more note by note as I go. And I'll mm -hmm. leave the chunks to be edited after the fact. <laughs> and, yeah. No. Yeah. That you makes know, sense. so, um, just different. I, I, 
Yeah. And I think I've learned too from my own workflow with my own stuff that I kind of need that instant gratification. Right. That like what I did sounds good and it works. Right. I have a real hard time like chunking something like that much and then like not spending the time to sit there and put in all my crossfades and make it sound natural again. Right. Like it'll drive me crazy and I just like won't be able to like leave the session until that's done. Um, yeah, yeah. So I found that editing as I go just works better for me. Totally. And again, too, like most things that we've said, like that's not necessarily how I do it with a client. Like if a client came in, uh, I would yeah. probably be doing a lot of comping and like waiting until they're gone and then sitting there and doing all the edits. But like, if it's me, I got the time. I'm trying to maximize my time all the time because I don't have a lot of time, 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 yeah. time, time, time. Um, this is the system that works for me um, to just get things done efficiently and correctly totally. the first time. And I think um, to kind of summarize that point is actually, I think one of the biggest things is when you're working with a client, you are the engineer or the engineer mm -hmm. producer, whatever you're, that's the role you're playing. You're not trying to be the creative. You're not trying to get the emotion. You are literally sitting there waiting for them to sing or play or whatever. Uh, and so you are honed in on the takes that you're getting. So what I find is if I'm the engineer and I'm working with a, a singer, one, I need backups uh, of like, you know, uh, safeties. <laughs> so when they're mm -hmm. like, Oh, I don't like that take. I have more to choose from. But the other thing is, is if I don't like a take that they did and I know right away this is not going to make it at all, I just can right away go, yeah, do, a, do another one, get another one. Mm -hmm. And I know that I have good takes. I don't keep the ones – I don't need to keep the ones that aren't good. And so in my mind, I'm kind of making this mental map of what's the comp going to be yeah. while they're mm -hmm. singing because they're the ones singing. But when I'm doing it myself, I can't do that as much. So I have to go, is this the right take? Yes. Good. Done. And – it's it's easier to hone in on that a little bit, whereas with a client, it, you are honing in on it differently because you're only the engineer. It's the same with guitars. Because mm -hmm. you're the only one doing it, you need to edit it right away and know that it's right. Whereas if you were just the engineer, you'd already know if it was right or wrong when they finished yeah. playing it because all you're doing is concentrating on it, not concentrating <laughs> on playing it and then concentrate. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you're honed in more on it. And I think that mm -hmm. makes a big difference and why – you know, sometimes you need to complete something right away um, versus saving it for later like you would with a client because you're just you're honed in on it differently. And so you need to mm -hmm. reassure yourself differently uh, because you're wearing different hats in that sense. Yeah. And I think, too, like when you know how you're going to use it or what you're going to use it for later, you can kind of preemptively prime that. Like if I'm recording guitar or whatever and it's a very rhythmic part and i look at what i just recorded and i'm not seeing the transients in the right spot i'm like okay i'm just gonna do that again and try to pick it a little harder yeah even if it sounded fine it will be easier for me to edit if i just push a little harder yes. so that those transients pop out so i can splice them that much better whereas if i'm recording another guitarist i'm not going to worry about that because if i i need to keep their confidence yeah up and i need to keep them in the zone um so again, that kind of that, like, you know, like I said before, that shoot to edit mentality, that record to edit mentality of yeah. like, when you're by yourself, you can kind of preemptively catch these things that'll make your life easier later. <laughs> totally. No, hundred percent. And, and I think that's for me, vocals is the biggest one mm -hmm. that I record to edit. <laughs> I'm yeah. like, can I edit this? Great. Done. And with a vocalist, with another vocalist, if I'm recording somebody else, then I can't do that. I can't go, oh yeah, the pitch is real bad. I can tune it though. And 
you know, I can't mm -hmm. say that right off the bat and know that, yeah, if you solo it, it ain't going to sound good, but it'll work in the mix. They don't understand. People don't understand no. that typically. Whereas for yeah. me, I'm like, this is a background vocal. It's good enough. It's going to be tuned to within an inch of its life, but that's fine because I'm going to put it 10 dB underneath <laughs> the lead in the mix yeah. with a ton of reverb. So you're not even going to hear these glitches that are going to that are going to come when I get to editing it. <laughs> so mm -hmm. it doesn't matter. And, and at some point, too, they're going to walk in and want to hear what they just did, too, because they're not going to just take your word for it. That exactly. It was all good. So, like, they're going to hear little things that are off. And again, you're not going to waste their money yep. <laughs> while you sit there and explain how post-production works. Exactly. You know? So, they're yeah, going so to want you to beast. they're going to want you to take that background vocal that they just recorded and they're going to want you to turn it way up or solo it, which hopefully mm -hmm. you can avoid uh, and listen to it. And they're going to go, mm, I don't know that that S just doesn't end perfectly on the uh, let me do it again. It's not even worth it for you to try and explain that S being slightly short is not going to matter when I time it and tune it and put it in the mix 15 yeah. dB down where you barely hear it. I also have this plugin called a de-esser. <laughs> You're never going to hear it. Yeah, never going to hear it. it ain't going to be a problem. <laughs> yeah. Um, That's funny. One thing that I do want to add is uh, when I do record myself, one thing that I tend to do as well is I over-record in the way mm -hmm. that if I think maybe I'll want that harmony or maybe I'll want this lead part, I'll record it. And then I mute it later. It's so much easier to mute after the fact than it is to be in the mix going, oh, there should be another layer here. And then <laughs> set up the vocal mic and record it and edit that mm -hmm. and put it. In. No, no, no. I record as much as possible as I'm recording. That's part of the way that I do my own production. Um, but I record as much as I possibly can because I can mute it after the fact. I can be in editing going, oh, that didn't work. Never mind. Mute. Um, but I, when I'm recording myself, I don't want to have, I don't try and think, is this going to make the final mix? I just go, could it possibly, do I like it? Yes. Good record. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. that's one of my mentalities to, again, uh, like we said at the beginning, ease that burden, not have as much to think about and not yeah. take, just take some of the pressure off of Smart. myself when I do it. I'm definitely like that with drums and vocals, not so much guitar. Cause I, okay. I guess in my head is like, I can just plug in the guitar pretty easily. Right. And, add another layer but with vocals it's a, it's enough of an environment and a vibe and all that kind of stuff right. that i will um kind of be conscientious of that and definitely with drums because it's yeah. a lot of effort to get the drum sound and you'll never replicate it again you know yeah, it ain't like, gonna you'll work. never quite get it the the same way so definitely with drums all over record with vocals i maybe depends on how i'm just feeling that day yeah um, yep. definitely not with guitar bass though because for me i'm just like whatever it's the gonna be the same guitar i'm just gonna right. plug it right back in yeah. so and <laughs> yeah. tune it up like nah it, yeah uh, whatever <laughs> yeah i think it's just the way that i think too um when Absolutely. I do guitars, it's I, a very smart mentality yeah because yeah. i've done a ton of stuff where i record a record the main guitar, record a harmony and then record a second harmony and then mute the first harmony and then record another <laughs> harmony on top of the second harmony and then mute the second harmony. And now I'm at this third harmony. I would never would have thought of, but that's what ends up being the lead guitar part in that section. Interesting. Yeah. And so that's just the way that I think and create different parts. So I, I just lean into that and just allow myself to have all those mm -hmm. parts if I want them and I can go backwards if I want, I don't have to. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. No, makes a lot of sense. The way that I do it. Um, so to kind of wrap up here, one question that I did want to ask you is with all of this, when you're in one, uh, you're doing everything yourself. Mm -hmm. Do you find, do you think that that, 
uh, having that control over all of the aspects of your the tones that you're getting of the playing it and being able to decide whether it's you know the right take or not uh, every aspect of this you have control over so much of it do you think that it it helps your creativity or do you feel that it hurts your creativity do you wish you sit there and wish oh i really wish i had an engineer for everything or do you kind of like engineering certain parts of it and like having hands on not for all of it maybe but mm -hmm. for certain parts do you find that it actually helps your creativity or does it overall hinder your creativity huh that's an interesting question, honestly. Um, the reason I say that is because the reason I started doing everything myself is because I felt that my creativity was hindered because I was constantly waiting mm. for other people to do their shit. That's kind of why I started doing it all myself because I was constantly reaching out to other people and constantly being like, hey, can you know, hey, collab, bro, collab, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I'd get a lot of like enthusiastic yeses, but then like not a lot of follow up or, you know, waiting around a lot or like I'd get a piece, but not never the finished product. So that's kind of I started doing everything myself literally out of necessity because I just had a need to produce and create more music and more pieces of art. And I couldn't keep waiting on everyone else. So I just like that's why I started screaming too is because right. I was doing everything but the vocals. And I was like, well, if I just get people to just sing a chorus because I don't want to sing, I could at least scream the rest of it. So I just started right. learning how to scream and learning how to do all the rest of it. Right. Um, so I don't think being a, a, a one-person show hinders my creativity really. It fatigues me a lot. I will say that. Like I okay. would really prefer if someone else tracked my drums and I and I find the amount of effort does encourage me to take shortcuts. Um, my last two EPs did not include any live drums. It's right. all programmed drums because I just didn't have the energy to do all of that engineering and performance totally. by myself. If it's a one-off song, I, I'm perfectly fine to mic up the kit and do it. Um, so like my stuff with you has all been live drums. Mm -hmm. uh, a couple singles, all the covers are all live drums. But oh man, when it came to doing like a four or five song EP, like I just don't have that kind of time to one, um, get the parts in my hands well enough to actually execute them right. um, as the way I like to record and two to, to have them sound half decent with all of that effort. So I've been programming a lot of drums just because of that, because I'm just tired, which has sparked a different kind of creativity because um, right. I write drums very different, not very different, but I, I write drums differently than I naturally just play and write drums. Right. Um, when I'm, when I'm actually playing them, uh, which is kind of neat because sometimes I write something that I never would just, sit down and play and right. so i come up with interesting things and other times i'm like what the hell was i doing like i can't right this, it makes sense but it's awkward as hell to play this you know right. things like that yeah. um so overall i don't think it's it stifles my creativity it it, it does wear me out though and right. if i don't mind writing i like writing everything myself i i, I like collaborating too um if a magic genie showed up with a budget for my next EP and said like, Hey, like you're in full creative control, but like you can have a studio with other people and things like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'd take it in a minute. Like I would love to have a week to record my next EP with like you, where right. you engineer all the drums and all the guitar. And I just have to be the performer. That right. sounds actually really great. I would really love that, but okay. uh, I don't, I don't have the budget. I don't, uh, have the time and yeah. I have to build up a lot more guild goodwill with you before right. I think you're willing to do that for me. 
<laughs> I have to wait until you say, okay, I want to do a full course on how to make a whole EP. Well, Chuck, if you just record me, then you, then, then you <laughs> then can you do have it. The you can make your here, course. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'll, I'll just be your content. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I guess that would be my answer is I, I don't think it hinders creativity, but I definitely think it, it, it fatigues you and makes you fi- look for shortcuts because right. it's a lot to do it all, especially too, because then I want to do music videos, which I have to do all myself as right. well. Yeah, so totally. It's, yeah. it's, a, it's a, another layer. What about you? I mean, you've been doing your full own productions for a while. Yeah. Um, I do, it, Interestingly enough, some parts of it, yes. Um, mm-hmm. I, I would like help with other parts of it. No, I actually don't. Um, and I think for me, I like doing vocals on my own. I like recording mm-hmm. my own vocals. I like running the session. I like the whole aspect of that. Uh, guitars are the same thing. I, I, for the most part, like doing the guitars myself. Same, um, yeah. I've done, I've done tons of guitars. My buddy Al and I used to do a lot more stuff together in the studio and he would record the guitars, but I found that for me, and I'm just used to recording myself, that if I'm like mm-hmm. half a note into a take and I decide it isn't good, it's easier for me to just hit spacebar and then hit record again right away <laughs> than it is to tell somebody stop and then tell them, yeah, I'm ready to go again, hit record. I could have been yeah. done the take again. So. For me, that's the kind of thing in the, in the thought of, oh, layer this, add this on another track. Oh, actually, this is another option. Just put that on a playlist and, and use this one. And I think, mm. you know, for that kind of stuff, um, I like doing it myself. I like having the operation of that kind of thing. So for, for a lot of stuff, I actually really like doing it all myself. And even when I have a studio available, even when I have, uh, that kind of space, I, do actually really like the control that I can do for my own thing. I like having mm-hmm. people to bounce ideas off of, um, and having that kind of collab, uh, or, or just feedback, you know, even yeah. the guitar tones, like when Al used to help me, I would sometimes record my own guitars, but he would help me get the guitar tones, um, and dial mm. stuff in. That stuff is really nice to have a second set of ears. Um, yeah. I don't have drums to deal with. Uh, so <laughs> drums, I like when I don't have to do the drums when I'm, even when I'm writing, I'm like, Oh my God, I can't wait till, you know, Malcolm gets his hands on this. Cause like I'm out of ideas. I need drums. <laughs> so that kind of stuff, that's where I like somebody else. Um, and that's where I like studios and that's where I like to do other things. But, mm-hmm. uh, but in terms of guitars and vocals, which is the main bulk of what I actually do, I like recording myself. I, I don't think even if I had the budget, I would get another engineer and another to do the to do the vocals and guitars. I would probably yeah. still do it myself. Interesting. Yeah, and yeah. I, I'm inclined to agree with you there. Um, there is just something so easy, like you know, Command Z for me. Anytime <laughs> I'm like, I'm just like, nope, that wasn't it. Command Z, just like make it disappear. It, yeah, yeah. It's not worth keeping. It's not worth discussing. Like exactly. Try it again. I I really love that power and that. Um, you know, not feeling like you're under a spotlight or, you yep. know, wasting someone else's time or having to over explain anything to anyone else. That is really nice. Yeah. Um, and trying stuff for me when I try, especially mm-hmm. vocally, I'm like, I, I'm not a great vocalist, you know, it, I, I get there in the end, but I'm, I try a lot of stuff <laughs> and there's a lot of weird noises that happen. And I like just being able to do that myself and go like, Oh, that would be a great harmony. Let me try it. And it's like, I start and it's like, Woo, not hitting that note. Uh, that <laughs> wasn't <know>? it. <laughs> uh, and, and I don't, you know, I don't love that kind of thing. Uh, mm-hmm. 
in front of other people uh, in like I have engineer I've done it before with engineers that I trust and and like Al and I used to do it a lot more and I I got comfy with him so then it was okay because we could joke about it but um yeah. but it was the same kind of like it's just easier for me because sometimes I'll do one two three four words at a time and it's like mm-hmm. I don't want to have to try and explain to somebody this is what I want to hear this is where I'm punching in I just yeah. can do it myself <laughs> you know yeah. Yeah, so, I thought about that too in terms of just like the way you kind of realize you need to break it up and like not having to try to explain to someone, okay, go ahead and make three tracks and I'm going to you know yeah. say this word on track one and these two words on track two exactly. and then the in-between word on track three and then you need to put it like – Then you can it. put it on just the track after the fact. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> where, where I'm at the point where I'm telling you which tracks to make and stuff like that, I'm either not working with the right person or it's just easier for me to do it and it's got nothing to do with anybody else. It's sure. just – easier for my brain because I'm an engineer and I think that way. Mm -hmm. It's just easier for me to do the way that my brain thinks and I can do it fast enough on the go anyway. And I don't care about that. Like it's not a hindrance to me. Um, and I find that, you know, back to my original question, it helps my creativity because I get to try stuff in a different way than I, Mm -hmm. than I would trying to, uh, instruct somebody else, I guess. (laughs) So, You know. And in terms of creativity too, I do find that like the reason I really have enjoyed songwriting solo is because mm-hmm. all the elements can work together the way I want them to work together, totally. which is really nice as opposed to when you're working in a band and you have to kind of convince the bass yeah. player to follow your kick pattern or yeah. convince the rhythm guitar that you and the bass should all play the same thing for a little bit. Totally. Um, there's just, the, there are those little negotiations of arrangement and things yeah. that, you know, it's like, or you know, the rhythm guitarist is kind of just like chug along all lackadaisically yeah. and you're just yeah. like, ah, can you just like link up with us, please? <laughs> totally, totally. Um, especially with songwriting, there is there is that really nice creative freedom to just have yep. the arrangement be exactly what you want, have all of the elements complementing each other the way you want them to. Totally. Um, and uh, yeah, it, that doesn't mean it's not still great to collaborate with other people and have yeah. other people jump in, but to be the real captain of the ship uh, for that is, is, is a nice thing. Totally. And when you can, when you can technically engineeringly and production wise do it yourself, um, mm-hmm. you know, that obviously helps. Cause I, I, I feel that way. I like recording myself. I do like collaborating that when I used to work in the studio with people and in person having people here or like, let's sit down, you know, and work on an idea and like, see what you do and see what you do. And I did like that kind of aspect of it. And like, you know, when we, you, when you and I do a cover and I have to do it and then send it to you and get your stuff and then fix my, if I could do that live, uh, that would be nice more often than not, but then I'm going to take it and go read, like record my parts myself. But I do Mm -hmm. like the collaboration aspect for certain things and for other things. I'm like, Nope, this is the way that I want it. I'm going to do it all my way, (laughs) you know? So (laughs) it's either, 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 or for the actual creative aspect, there's, there's different methods, but from a technical perspective, I actually do like recording myself, um, Mm -hmm. physically. So. But yeah, yeah um, I think that is a great place to end. I think this has been a really interesting discussion. And it's been good. So, yeah. I've some of the this. things that we aligned on, I was like, yeah, that makes sense. And some of the things I very interestingly was like, huh, mm-hmm. I never thought about doing it that way or just that doesn't work for me or you know, <laughs> uh, very interesting. But yeah, so uh, thank you, Malcolm, for 
being on the podcast once again. Always a pleasure to have you here and uh, have oh, these absolutely. fantastic My discussions. Pleasure. Thank you, Chuck. Yeah. 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 Thanks, man. Thanks for having me on. Good seeing you. Good discussions and uh, more to come, I'm sure. Oh, yes. But that is it for this episode, guys. Thank you so much for listening and be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platforms wherever you listen to podcasts. And also remember that the podcast is now on YouTube. So go check that out. Um, you can find it through my main channel or just search for the Anna Creates podcast and it has its own channel. So go check that out. Thank you for listening. I will see you in the next episode. Until then, always be creative. Always be creative. <laughs> okay, you do it then. Until then, <laughs> always be creating.